Yeshua Rava Presidente, this week's Parsha, Parsha Struma. It says, Asuli Mikdash Vishachanti Bisoicham. Make for me a Mikdash so that I can dwell in them. According to Rashi and Svorno, the need for a Mishkan was a major step down in the Vekas and connecting to the Rabbana Shalom. Why? Because now Hashem would only dwell with Am Yisrael via this Mikdash, this construct. Why did the step down in the Vekas, the connection to Hashem, happen, occur? Because of the Chet Ego, which is, I think, in two partials from now. But Rashi and Sforno posit that the Torah is recounting events out of chronological order. But according to the Rambam, I think, the mitzvah to make a mikdash was going to be a mitzvah, whether Am Yisrael sinned with the golden calf or not. The Torah is in fact in order, and the mitzvah of mikdash is unrelated to the golden calf. It's two separate things. But if we go with Rashi and Sforno, how do we reconcile the step down? If we go with any opinion, how do we reconcile the idea that Hashem's shechina dwells in a mikdash? How do we make for God a place for Him to dwell in, 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 within us now? Easy, right? Build a shul. Shul is the closest thing we have to a mikdash. We have an aron, where the Torah is kept, similar to the Aseris Adibros, we're kept in the aron and the Mishkan. We pray there, and Chazal tells us that tefillah is a replacement for dedicating korbanos to Hashem. It's a mikdash katan. But according to Rabbi Yechia el it's not the case. He says that a Kaddish Baruch Hu doesn't reside in a shul just because the shul is there. If you build a shul, it's not just a shechina that appears over there. The shechina dwells within Am Yisrael for they constitute a temple of Hashem. So now we're in the month of Adar. When Adar begins, we increase in joy. How does this work exactly? How do I increase in joy? I suddenly get a boost of serotonin when the clock strikes Adar? What, what does this mean? How do I increase in joy? Said Rav Shalom Shapiro last night at the Fabregen slash Sheva Brachos for Usher and Esther Rochester. Mazel tov to them. Amazing Fabregen. Beautiful Sheva Bracha. Said Rav Shapiro that if we recognize Hashem is always with us, then how can we ever be anything other than happy? It's a trite statement that we, we, often, we often demean that statement as trite in our cynical way. But it's the truth. Says Rav Tzadok HaKohen, the word besimcha has the same letters as machshava. Meaning to say, simcha is in essence a choice. This thing that we call trite, this idea that we're supposed to be happy because Hashem is with us. Yeah, it sounds trite because it's like, oh, how am I supposed to recognize that? There's all these things happening in the world. If I look outside my window, I'm seeing, we, we can list off a million different things that are happening in the world right now. The thing that's going around now with the day of hate, they're doing a, a hatred parade or whatever, um, the white supremacist or whoever's doing it. Um, crazy things happening. I'm supposed to just be happy? The answer is yes, according to Rav Tzadok coin. Simcha is through machshava. Simcha is a choice. We have to choose a positive mental state to awaken the state of joy in our Vodas Hashem. How else are we, are we supposed to wait for something to make us happy. Once the once whatever I'm going through ends, then I can finally be happy. Until then, I, I, I can't be happy. I'm not going to be happy. Yiddishkeit is not a receiving me-centric discipline. 
It's about what can I do? What can I do to serve? It's obligation-based. It's obligation-centric. It's Hashem. It's you-centric. It's Am Yisrael-centric. It's built around the giving, not about receiving, not, not about what I'm entitled to. Today's world is all about, at least the Western world, is all about what I'm entitled to. I can protest this, I can protest that, because right now I'm not happy because I'm not getting what I'm entitled to. But Yiddishkeit is a different ballgame. It says in Tehillim, Shivisi Hashem Lenegdi Tamir. I will place Hashem before me always. And then it says, Lachain Samach Libi. Therefore, my heart rejoices. It's an if then. If I'm going to place Hashem before me always, then I'll rejoice. The Balatanya explains that there's no place, physical, psychological, emotional, that is void of the infinite. Because infinite is infinite, it's everywhere. Hashem is everywhere. We learn that in. in preschool and even a place of darkness of suffering is filled with divine light but the light is covered just like the mishkan was covered with curtains the kalim were hidden from public view the kodesh kadashim was only seen by one man the kohen gadol on one day yom kippur and just like the aron was never opened we never were able to open it to see the the sarasadibros that were within it not by anyone was it opened just like those things there's divine light we aren't always able to see the story of Purim is the same idea. That the hand of God is deeply interwoven within every single thing that occurs. There's a massive grand scheme that's playing out. But we don't always see until years later when we have perspective. Sometimes we never recognize and we're, we're left wondering. We never see it even when we have the perspective. It's a choice. It takes effort to overcome the pain and to come to a place of simcha. To have a naimli or else eyes to see, to truly see. It's the name of the game, to recognize God in every situation, every place. To flip the state of being from one of darkness to one of light, without even changing the nature of that thing or state of being, without even marching outside for the... For the of course, listen, there's things we have to go... We have to do our ishtadlus in life. We have to go out and protest sometimes when there's things going on. We have to go and stand up for ourselves, absolutely. But that doesn't negate the obligation to be besimcha. It's two separate things. Of course, there's a mitzvah to build a mikdash, which we should fulfill soon with the coming of Mashiach. But today, now, the mikdash can be anywhere. It's not limited to a physical space. And the question is, how do we build one? So I'll tell the famous story again. I've told this story before. Rav Gershom Leibman. He was an amazing Tamil uh, Chacham, Torah personality. He survived World War II. He survived the camps of Bergen-Belsen. And he opened the yeshiva, and the Vardak yeshiva. And, and um, after the war, one day, there's a story where of Gershon, he stepped out of a local shtibel in Russia in the middle of crazy snowstorm. A man walks by and he says, ah, you can see Rav Gershon and, you know, Bekesha and the whole, the whole garb. Could see him with the strimal on. Oh, you're a Jew. I'm also a Jew. This guy says. Rav Gershon asks him, "Did you daven today? You want to come to? I just walked out of the shul. It's right over there. We can go and pray." The guy's like, "Davening? No, no, I don't. I don't do that. I don't. I don't daven. Um, anyway, I don't even know any, any how to do that." Rav Gershon said, "Maybe, maybe you know how to say Shema. We can go and say Shema. Put on the film. Say Shema." 
The man's like, I, I don't even know what the Shema, I don't even know Shema Yisrael. At least he indicated he didn't know, maybe he did, because it's hard to believe someone wouldn't know it. But he said, I, I don't know Shema. So as the two began to kind of walk together, this Jew turned to Rav Gershon and he said in Hebrew, he said, Because you didn't serve Hashem, your God, with simcha and a, and a good heart. And Gershon was, was so shocked. How do you not, how are you going to tell me you don't know Shema, but you know the Pasuk from the Tochacha in, in Devarim? So the man began to tell the story about how he was in Auschwitz and in one particularly inhumane form of torture, he had to run up and down this hill, up and down and up and down and up and down, talking about someone who maybe at this point weighed 90 pounds, skin and bones, running in the cold winter up and down a hill. It's unimaginable. And at one point he looks to the side and he saw running beside him was this other gaunt, frail, fragile Jew. But he was calm. Despite the suffering, the beatings, he was calm. And as they ran, under his breath, this Jew that this man saw repeated over and over again, Tachas asher lo avata as Hashem elokecha besimcha uvelev tov. And repeated it over and over and over again because you didn't serve Hashem, your God, with simcha and, and a good heart, Lev Tov. And then Rav Gershom was shocked by the story. And he's like, who was this tzaddik that you're talking about? This is unbelievable. And the, this man turns, turns to him and he said, this is, we called him the Klassenberger Rebbe. The famous Klassenberger Rebbe who had this unshakable amuna. And of course... Indicated in that story, like the subtext of that story is that the Klassenberger Rebbe was struggling. If he wasn't struggling, he wouldn't have to constantly repeat this Pasuk over and over again. He's struggling, but he's trying to make the choice, even in that crazy, terrible situation. We don't know what was going on in the Klassenberger Rebbe's head, but he was struggling. He had to choose. He knew that it was a choice, even in that scenario, that unimaginable scenario. He knew that it's a choice. B'zraz Hashem, we should make the choice to be b'simcha, to build, to build a mikdash through our simcha, this other and beyond. Everybody should have an amazing Shabbos.